Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in today to the JTP Church Podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message. If you want to share with us what God is doing in your life, you can write us at hello at jtp.church. If you would like to partner with us and make a financial gift to our ministry, you can visit us at www.jtp.church to make a donation. Now sit back and enjoy the message. It's an amazing month. I want to talk to you a little bit today about laying it all on the line. So everybody say, lay it all on the line. I was thinking today, this morning, I'm like, there's certain things that don't work in your life unless you give everything you got. There's just certain things that you'll never achieve unless you lay it all in the line. And one of those things is a relationship. When you're building a relationship, unless you're willing to lay it all down, like in the case of my wife, if I wasn't willing to move Jonathan out of the way for the sake of Jonathan and Carla, it never would have worked. Relationships don't work unless you lay it all in the line. Another thing that doesn't work is dreams. You know, sometimes with dreams, you got to take risk. And you got to put yourself sometimes to the side. Let's say you guys have a career in mind, and, and sometimes you see your friends going out on, on the weekends, but, you know, you got to study for a test, and sometimes you sacrifice certain things. you got to make tough decisions, but it's all for a good cause. Well, the Christian life is a little bit like that, and we love those faith messages, you know, especially here in JTP that encourage us to faith, to believing, to conquering, to achieving. But today I want to take a pause from that, and I just want to share something that, you know, it's not preached a lot, or at least not as much now as it was before, but it's what, what God wants from us. And the same way that relationships require laying it all down, the same way that dreams require laying it all down, Jesus also requires us to lay our lives down. How many say amen? So having said that, I want you to go with me to the book of Luke, chapter 9, verse 18, and we're going to read pretty much a lot of this chapter, starting from verse 18. So if you want to leave your marker there or your bookmark, Luke chapter 9, verse 18, and whenever you're there, communicate it to the person next to you and tell them, I'm there already. All right. It says this, and it happened. As Jesus was alone praying, as was a habit of his, that his disciples joined him And he asked them, saying, who do the crowds say that I am? I'm interested to know why Jesus was interested in what people were saying about him. And he was praying. And as soon as the people, you know, his disciples came to him, I guess he stopped praying. And he had this question, which probably was a trick question. And he asked him, look, you guys are with the people and you guys hear what people are saying about me. I'm busy healing, and, and sometimes, you know, I don't get to hear what happens afterwards. But what, what do people say about me? And I wonder what kind of responses he would get from us here today if he asked the same question. If Jesus were to come today and say, Pastor Jonathan, what do the people in JTP Church say about me? Or maybe he'd ask you, what, what does people in your family say about me? And maybe we get different answers. And he got different answers from his disciples. He started, they started answering him in verse 19, and they said, well, some people said it was John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist, by this time, he was dead already. But, you know, they didn't have Instagram back then. They didn't have CNN to report the news and show the body. Okay, he's gone. He's done. It was just word of mouth. And, you know, sometimes people get carried away with word of mouth, right? How many of you guys ever played that game, Telephone? It's a whole line of people, and this person tells this person a message. And then by the time it gets to the end, the message is totally distorted, right? 
So imagine with so many people and the only type of communication that you have is through word of mouth, people started saying all crazy stuff. So they said John the Baptist, uh, some said Elijah, crazy stuff. And others say that one of the old prophets has risen again. Look, it got to the point that some people were saying, no, some old prophet just resurrected out of the dead. I mean, some weird stuff. They started believing all these weird things. And he said to them in verse 20, but who do you say that I am? And I want to pause here and I want to just let you know, God is not worried or interested in what other people think about him. He's interested in what you think about him. Who is God to you? Pause a moment and think about that statement. What is God to you? What does he mean to you? When he said that, Peter, which was always the first one to talk, he was like the guy who would never think before he spoke. Sometimes it was for good and sometimes it was for not so good. But in this case, he hit it right on the button. He said, you are the Christ of God. You are the son of God. You are the chosen one. You are the Messiah. Another one of the gospels says that Jesus responded to him, well, this wasn't revealed to you by flesh or blood. This was, you know, the father who revealed it to you. But as we continue reading here in verse 21, he starts predicting about his death and resurrection. So 21 says, he strictly warned and commanded them to tell this to no one. So he's like preparing them and he's saying, look, I'm going to tell you something that's deep. This is between us. I don't want you guys to say anything about this. And he said, the son of man, speaking of himself, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. So check it out. Jesus is laying out his whole plan for his followers. Everything that's going to happen, he's laying it down. Look, I'm, I'm going to be betrayed by these people, the people that you guys least expect, the religious people supposedly. They're going to betray me. They're going to kill me. And then I'm going to resurrect on the third day. He laid it down for them, but they still didn't get it. And he continues to tell them more. If you read verse 23, he says, Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me. Anybody here wants to follow after Jesus? Anybody? Yeah? I want to see a show of hands. Okay, awesome. I'm in the right place then. This is where we come in, and I want you to pay attention to these words because they're words of Jesus. They, they merit all your attention. He says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. He even told them how he was going to die. Because at this point, he hadn't said that he was going to die on a cross but he's saying, look, you guys follow me and take up your own cross and follow me. And then this word here, I want to take a little bit, a little bit of time to focus on this word because this is a word that we don't understand too much. Maybe not so much understand, but not like too much because deny means this. He's telling us that we need to deny ourselves. Pastor, what does that mean? Well, deny means to refuse the existence of. Think about that. To deny yourself means to refuse the existence of. When I deny myself, I'm saying, God, I don't exist. There's no more Jonathan. Take some time to think about your life and how you handle your life. And if we're really living a life that's denying ourselves for the good of the kingdom, denying ourselves so that God could use us, 
denying ourselves, our plans even sometimes, so God could interrupt and use our lives as a vessel to be able to reach people. One thing is to come to church. Another thing is to be a follower of Christ. And Jesus clearly said here, if anyone desires to come after me, and I think truly that is the desire of every single person that's in this place. So we need to pay attention to the words that follow. Let him or her deny themselves and take up your cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. If you're not willing to deny your life and let God overtake your life completely, the end result is not going to be a good one. You're going to end up losing your life. But look what it says here. Interesting. Like in a lot of cases, with God, things sometimes are completely backwards than what it is in real life. How is it that if I deny myself, I'm going to win my life? And if I don't deny myself, I'm going to lose my life. But that's how it works. Whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what good does it do to a man? What profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? We shared the last few words of Steve Jobs a few weeks ago. You guys remember? And he gained so much. He was rich. He had so much. He made a contribution to society. Everybody knows. You see an iPhone and you remember Steve Jobs. They made a documentary of him. I mean, this guy was well known. Every entrepreneur admired this guy. At the end of his life, he realized all these things that I've accomplished. And now, what's going to be of me? And there were other things that were important. So God is telling you this because I know most of you guys are young. You guys don't even think about when your life is going to end. But one day, eventually, unless Christ comes in the rapture, our life is going to end. A hundred percent of people that are born die eventually. Am I right? So everyone is going to have to go through that situation. And, and when you die, it's not the end of everything. It's actually the beginning because we are eternal beings. There's something living inside of you, who you are, who Javier is, who Marcos is, who Annette is. It's not who you see in the mirror. That's just, like, that's just like a coat that we put on or that God puts on for 80 years or so that with time it gets wrinkled. After we pass away, I mean, our soul lives on. We are spirit beings and we either go into eternal condemnation or we have eternal life in Christ Jesus so Jesus says, look, if you guys want to win your life, and if you guys want to have eternal life and be blessed here, not just in heaven, but also here, then you need to deny yourself. And today, as a pastor, you know, there's a lot of prettier messages that I could have preached today that probably would have drawn up a few more amens, maybe a few more hand claps and praise gods and, and preach it, PJ, and, and all those things that sometimes you guys shout. But I'd be doing you a disservice if I don't, teach you the whole truth and teach you what Jesus really said. And he's saying, look, if, you, if anybody wants to follow me, you have to deny yourself. And in doing so, you will be saving your lives. How many say amen to that? As Christians, our goal should be to follow Jesus. And Jesus came to die. Or didn't he? What did Jesus came to do? He came to die. He came to give of himself so that we could have a hope. You know, I'm not telling you now to go and find the cross and crucify yourself. And don't get me wrong. But it's a life of surrender to God. It's a life of total surrender. As a matter of fact, I was torn 
whether titling the message, laying it all down, or total surrender, because that's what God expects for us. And it's not until you surrender your entire life that you start living God's life. You see, God can't pour his life on you unless you're empty. And he's not going to force you to empty yourself. He's waiting for you to say, Lord, and sometimes it's just a decision. I mean, it's not, it's not rocket science, but it's saying, God, you know what? I have all these plans. I have these ambitions, all these things. That, but, Lord, from now on, I want to turn over my life to you completely, not just as a nice little song that we sing, something that we say because it's in the Scripture and we just repeat it. But from the bottom of my heart, God, I want to move to the side. You take control of my life. How can I be useful for your kingdom? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in my life, in my life. And when that happens, God's life starts living through you. God says, okay, you moved yourself out of the way. Now I'm going to pour myself over you. That's when life begins. There's so many people that are busy living their own lives, and they don't get a chance to see what God's life in them could be like. And God is wanting to pour himself over us. Yes, Jesus came to serve. He served. How many say amen? He served this generation. He helped people. Yes, he did. He healed. He delivered. But the climax of his mission was to die, was to give himself. And I think that, you know, we're called to serve. We're called to, you know, help people. But above and beyond that, God is looking for people that are totally surrendered and committed to Jesus. And then it continues on in verse 26. It says, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his fathers and of the holy angels. What God is saying, because there's a lot of people that sometimes they get ashamed. And, you know, people find out that you're a Christian in school and they say, oh, you're a Christian? Really? You, you go to that church over there in Hialeah? And you're like, what? No, no, you're, you pull a Peter, right? And you're like, what, me? No, who, me? In church? Yeah, right. But Jesus says, the people that are ashamed of me on earth, when you get to heaven, Jesus will be ashamed of you. And Jesus is our redemption. He's the one who redeemed us. And there we are as sinners going before God. And Jesus is our intercessor. And God is going to say, well, talk to me, Jesus, about him. And Jesus is going to say, I don't know. Who that? <laughs> right? And those are the last words you want to hear. You want to see Jesus, you know, being your attorney and defending you. Yes, he was guilty of sin, just like everybody else, but my blood cleansed them. He denied himself and he served the kingdom. He is ready to come into the eternal joy of the Lord. How many say amen? amen. So for the last thing we should do is, you know, leave God to the side, especially young people. It's such a privilege to serve God. And sometimes when, when you're young, you don't realize it. I know I didn't. I grew up, I, so I had no choice. I had to go to church. Jonathan, you want to go to church? Never had that option. I had to, or else, chancleta. <laughs> so I would go to church, and, but it had to come to a point where I said, wait, is, is this a life that I want? Do I believe in this? You can't believe God through someone else. It has to be a personal decision. I had to come to a point where I said, God, I'm going to go all in. And maybe there's, there's a few people here. And I pray that today you let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart. Maybe there's some people here that are far from God. You know what? Maybe you feel far from God, but it's hard to be far from God. Because God is all over the place. And all you need to, is to open your heart, and God is there in a snap. You can't be far from God. The story of Jonah, you guys remember? 
he didn't want to go to Nineveh. So, you know, this huge storm. It's Luca's favorite bedtime story. He makes me read it every night. And the storm lifted up. They threw this guy, and God sent this huge Leviathan or this huge, uh, I don't know, sea monster and, and swallowed this guy. And he was living inside that sea monster for three days. It's a true story. In that situation, God heard. And from the belly of a fish in the depths of the ocean, God came close. So I don't know what depths you are in today, but God is not too far. Maybe there's some people here that you're serving God, but there's reservation. You've drawn the line and you said, God, you know, I can't, I can't do more than this. I can't be, you know, I know you're pushing me to give more, but I'm willing to commit to a certain point. And you know what? We don't realize that in us not being able or willing to deny ourselves totally, we're missing out on everything that God wants to do through us and in us. Because like I said before, it's not until you totally deny yourself 100% and let God take over that the life of God starts living inside of you. Amen? Galatians chapter 2.20. I want you to check this out. This is how Apostle Paul described his life. And I think this should be our goal. That every one of our lives here in JTP Church should be described this way. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So he's saying, Jesus, the same way that Jesus loved me and gave himself for me, with that same love, or, you know, we can love the same way that God loved us, but with love also, I'm willing to give of myself so that Jesus could be seen in me. And I think that should be the ultimate goal of every single believer, every single person here. We're too addicted to listening to all the blessings that God has for our lives. And don't get me wrong, I believe that God blesses his people. But blessings come as a response to something, as a response to my surrender, as a response to me saying, God, I'm willing to follow you all the days of my life, and not just verbally, but in spirit, in mind, and in body. How many say amen? So God is looking for total commitment from every single one of his followers. Come on, help me preach. I ain't getting that many amens today. So <laughs> help me preach. Put your arm around somebody that's close to you and tell them God is looking for total commitment. Not partial, but total commitment. True life is found in giving yourself completely. Is there something lacking in your life? You know, I was, there's a show that I, we like to watch occasionally when we have time with Carly. It's called Million Dollar Buyer. They sell very expensive properties. They have a show in L.A. and they do a show of New York. The one that's in season now, it's New York. So these, these are realtors that sell high-rises, penthouses, and Manhattan skyscrapers for like $25 million. And they make huge commission. And there's this guy that he has, he sold $1.2 billion, his company, $1.2 billion dollars. And he's, he's successful. He's, he's one of the best realtors in New York, in the biggest city in, in the world, if you can say it. You know, one of the most popular cities to live in in the world. And, and all of a sudden, he starts going to a shrink because he feels empty. Carly and I would just comment, you can make as much money as you want, but if you don't connect with the purpose of God for your life, there's always going to be something empty. 
if you don't have Jesus as the center of your life, I don't care how much money you make. I don't care how successful you are. I don't care, you know, if you have a TV show. There's something missing. And it's funny because this show is about three people. It's basically revolves around three realtors. One of them was the one that I just explained. And another one was this Puerto Rican guy. He's really good. He's a fast talker. And he came from Puerto Rico, connected with somebody that did real estate. He got his license. And, and just like that, in a couple of years, he was selling million-dollar properties. And, and all of a sudden, he, in the show, he just breaks down, starts crying, and starts saying, no, I mean, I don't know. I'm bored. I feel lonely. I have all this thing that I built up. But then I go, I go home, and I have no one to share it with. So all of a sudden, he left everything, a successful life, just to go to Paris. And just to see what happens in Paris. So he went to Paris, and that was last season. And this season, now the other two realtors went to meet him for his birthday. And when they met him, they asked him, well, did you find what you were looking for in Paris? The guy just breaks down and saying, you know, I'm still empty. I don't know what I'm looking for. I see so many people looking for God, but in all the wrong places. And it's so simple. I think we found the reason right here. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. A chicken and a pig were walking down the road together. They passed a sign for a local diner advertising its breakfast special. And it said, bacon and eggs, $2.95. And the chicken said, that's our whole contribution to society, breakfast food. And the pig replied, for you, it may be a contribution, but for me, it's a total commitment. Because the chicken, all it's willing to give is its eggs. It doesn't have to stick out its neck and die to make bacon, right? So sometimes in church, we're willing to put in a contribution, but we're not willing to go all the way through and total commitment. The question God is asking you today is, do you identify with the chicken or the pig? I loved what Paul said. Because it's so easier to make a contribution rather than giving yourself up as a total commitment. It's more convenient. And Apostle Paul, the same one who we just quoted now saying, I've been crucified with Christ, he also said this, and you can find it in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. I love this because we don't see this nowadays. As a matter of fact, now the tendencies that you see is, you know, pastors uh, trying to show their human side so that people could see that pastors are normal people just like you and me. And I, and I agree. I make mistakes as well. But we don't see people talking, Christian leaders talking like Paul spoke. And he said, imitate me. It may sound a little bit boastful or a little bit prideful, but I think we need leaders like that nowadays that will say, hey, imitate me. Just as I imitate Christ. That's what 1 Corinthians 11, don't look at me with that face, it's in the Bible. And he said that. He said, hey, you guys, look how I handle my life. Look how I put my life to the side. Look at how I handle my life and that I'm not just saying that I'm crucified with Christ. You guys could see by my actions that I don't do what I want to do. It's Christ who lives in me. And wherever God sends me and whatever he tells me to do, I do. Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. He's saying, follow my example. If I can do it, you can do it. It just takes you putting yourself to the side. But if you're able to do that, you're going to be used by God in a supernatural way, and you'll be able to tell other people, 
Imitate. You want, you want to see God bless you like he's blessed me? Imitate me. Imitate me. Now get the revelation here. We're continuing reading in verse 28. You guys following me? Yeah? Okay. Verse 28. Now it came to pass about eight days after these sayings. So eight days passed after they had all these conversations. That Jesus took Peter, John, and James, those were his closest three, and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he prayed, something supernatural happened. The appearance of Jesus' face was altered, and his robe became white and glistening. And behold, two men talked with him who were Moses and Elijah. Now, Moses died a long freaking time ago. And the Bible says that God himself had to hide the body of Moses because he had done so many great works that God was scared that people would worship Moses like a god. Moses was just a servant that laid his life to the side and was willing to allow God's life to work through him. And because of that, God used him to do a lot of things. So now here's Elijah, prophet of God. Here's Moses, and they're talking to Jesus. And pay attention to what they're talking about. They're not talking about, hey, you know what, Jesus, we got you. We're going to build your throne here in Jerusalem. All these Romans, we're going to kick them out. The man upstairs is getting ready to send his eternal army. And we're going to wipe out these Romans. We're going to wipe them out completely. And we're going to sit you, Jesus, on the throne. That's what the disciples wanted. But look what they're talking about. These two men talked with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory. And they spoke of his disease. They were telling him, it's about time. It's about time, Jesus. You're going to have to die. This is, it's getting close. They spoke of his disease, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter and those with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were fully awake, they saw his glory and they saw the two men that stood with them. Then it happened as they were parting from him that Peter said to Jesus, Peter always talking, right? Master, it is good for us to be here, and let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. So Jesus is here talking to Moses and Elijah about dying, <laughs> and here is the three disciples talking to Jesus about him living here on earth and building his kingdom. But don't criticize them because they didn't have the Holy Spirit. Amen? The Holy Spirit's the one that brings revelation. We can't criticize them. Quite differently, we have the Holy Spirit. By this time, they didn't have access to the Holy Spirit. They weren't filled. Jesus was still on earth. It was later on in the book of Acts where they were filled of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is available to give us revelation with respect to the times and the things that, you know, God wants us to do. So we need to make sure we're connected to God. I wish I would have gotten at least one amen. Let me say it again. We need to make sure that we're connected with God. Because once we deny ourselves completely and we say, God, live in me. Let me just be a vessel, something you could use. And whatever you want me to do, I will do. If, if you tell that to God and you mean it from the bottom of your heart, man, God will use you for great things. Because this plants are 20 times 50 times, a thousand times superior than yours. Think about the greatest dream you've ever had. Yeah, and you could throw in the ones that when you were little, you know, you want to be an astronaut or LeBron James or whoever you wanted to be when you were little. Well, multiply that exponentially 
And then you're going to start to just realize God's dreams, how big God's dreams for your lives are. So here is Jesus talking to Moses and Elijah. They're in glory. I mean, these people, were, they came in spirit and they were talking. I guess God sent them. And they're talking about, look, Jesus, in a couple of days, it's going to happen. So just start getting your stuff ready. And, and they're talking about this. And then here's Peter. Hey, Jesus, this is amazing. Whoa, Moses and Elijah. Wait, wait, let's, let's get un colchón. I have an aunt that has un we, we chill here. And, you know, we, we plan out our strategy so that we could overcome the Roman Empire. This is it. This is what we've been waiting for. Oh my gosh. The, the disciples are going to be so crazy. Totally out of it. Totally out. Lack of revelation. Come on, tell the person next to you, get the revelation. They had an excuse. They didn't have the Holy Spirit, but we don't. Because the Holy Spirit has been given to us. Amen? And now I want to go to the last part. Everybody say, reward always follows denial. When you deny yourself, God will bless you. We've said the life of God is going to work through you to bless other people. But as a consequence, you know, blessing is not just going to flow through you. Some of it's going to stay on you. How many say amen? amen? Psalms chapter 37, verse 3 to 6. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Let me ask you something. What are some of the desires that you have? I'm not saying need. All right, because you could be sitting there and have a need for tomorrow. You say, man, I need 50 bucks to pay my rent. <laughs> That's a need. A desire is, man, I want to get myself a Lamborghini. There was one that just came out in the news, half a million dollars. That's a desire. I have a desire for this. I have a desire. The Bible says that when we move our lives in the will of God, we move ourselves out and let God take control, we can delight ourselves in him. And we can know that he's going to give us even the desires of our heart. Come on, touch two or three people. This is too good to keep it to yourself. Tell them, God knows your desires, and he'll give them to you. If you're able to deny yourself. You see, this is all the life of God flowing through us that we talked about earlier. And then verse 5 starts with a word that we've been pushing a little bit. The Holy Spirit has been pushing into your life today. And it says, commit. Everybody say, commit. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. How many say amen to that? Wow. You see, JTP Church, when you lose your life to Christ, when you turn it over to Christ, it's never a loss. It's when everything starts. The reason why you still haven't seen, and, and trust me, I've seen people in church. You could be in church for 50 years, but if you're still living your life, coming to church, God wants to live through you. God wants to pour himself over you, but you got too much of yourself in you, and there's no space for God. And you can come to church all your life and do that, but it's not. I've seen people come for the first time and come broken to the altar of God and say, God, cleanse me, use me, do whatever you got to do because I'm done with life. I mean, I've gone through so much. And I've seen in just one day coming to church, God turns their life around and he says, all right, that's all I need. 
for you to empty yourself. Now I'm going to fill you. I'm going to fill you with power. I'm going to fill you with authority. If you've been betrayed by people, you will know that I'm not one to betray. You're going to know who I am. And he starts revealing himself. And, and I see people start being used by God. They start bringing all their family members. They start preaching. It's like they don't even have an HOB. <laughs> But they're bringing their whole family to church and they're praying over their lives and people are getting delivered, people are getting... Why? Because it's not a matter of how long you come to church. It's a matter of when and if you make that commitment, that total commitment. Are you the chicken or are you the pig? Are you just willing to give God a contribution? Or are you willing to give God a total commitment? Because when you die to yourself and I go back to the words of Jesus, as I finish and wrap this up, verse number 23, Jesus said to all of them, if anyone desires to come after me, I love that he said anyone because that includes me. <laughs> he could have said, if any of what you guys, you disciples, you 12, but he said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him or her deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Jesus came and he had to die. Taking up the crosses, it's not going to be all pretty all the time. There's going to be people that are going to do you wrong. They did Jesus wrong, didn't they? And some people think that life, Christian life or following Jesus, everything's going to be all nice and dandy. And you're going to be in this bubble that nobody can mess with you. No, you're going to go through situations, but you're going to see the glory of God. You're going to see the glory of God's going to hold you up in his right hand, and you're going to see God's blessing. I, I, there's no greater satisfaction than seeing God use you to help other people, to bless other people. And then some of that blessing is staying on you, right? All the desires of your heart, God's going to give them to you. God's going to open doors that you can open on your own. But it's not until you let God's life live in you because you've put yourself to the side. I want you to stand on your feet. Quality relationships are founded on the rock of commitment. Listen up. We talked about one of the things that won't work unless you give it your all at the beginning was relationships. And quality. If you want a quality relationship, that foundation has to be total commitment. If you're willing just to put 50% of you, it's not going to work. God calls us to be people of commitment. First to him and then to others. As a great leader of Israel, Joshua's entire life, was marked by commitment. And we could see evidences of this in his last words. And I want you to listen to this. Joshua 24, verse 14 and 15. Listen to these words. These were some of Joshua's last words. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your father served on the other sides of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord, he says again. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in the land that you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This speaks to me of total commitment. This is a person who, as I titled the message today, laid it all on the line. And I want to do a calling today as I wrap this up. I want to call to the altar people that today want to stop struggling with God. Sometimes we play a tug of war with God. 
And we say, God, if you give me this, I'll give you this. No, no, no. God doesn't play. You guys remember, homie, don't play that? You guys remember that segment? <laughs> Living color? God don't play that. He don't play tug of war. He already told you how it works. That's non-negotiable. If you want to get what Jesus promised, you have to do it the way Jesus plotted it out. And he says, if you deny yourself, if you empty yourself enough that I have space for me to pour myself in you, it is then when you will see my life reflected in your decisions, reflected in all the plans that I have for your life. Not only will you be blessed, but you will be a blessing to many. And some of you guys probably think like I thought when I was younger. I used to think, God, I don't think I could ever be used by you to bless other people. Oh, try God. Try God, okay? It's by the grace of God that I'm here today. And then I have a title of a pastor. Never thought that would happen. You know, when you put yourself in God's hands, God will surprise you. You'll end up doing things that you never thought you'd do. And in a lot of cases, you end up doing things that you said you would never do. <laughs> but that's how God glorifies himself. Because it's not you that's going to do things. You're a vessel in the hands of God. But the life it's going to be God's life inside of you. And because God's living inside of you, the possibilities are endless. Moses, open. Just lift up your stick and the sea will part. I mean, come on. You thought Moses, even when he was the prince of Egypt, that he was being raised with the Egyptians. He never thought for a million years that he'd lift up a stick and part the oceans. But when you move yourself to the side, and now Moses is 80 years old, Moses has a stick because he could barely walk on his own. He needs the stick to be able to, you know, like an old man. But now that you're weak, now that you've moved your life to the side, now I'm going to pour myself in you. And you saw what happened. And I'm just asking, I wonder if there's people here today that are willing to say, God, whatever is left of me, maybe you got 20% of you and you got 80% of God. Whatever is left of me, God, I'm going to surrender willingly to you. I want to be used by you. I, I'm, I'm interested in knowing how you could use me. And even though I don't know how it's going to work or I don't have all the answers, but God, I'm just willing. And sometimes that's all God needs. Willing people. Use me. And if that's you, I want you to come here to the altar. And I'm going to ask the worship team if we could just worship. And as the song is playing and as you are connecting with God in spirit and worshiping God from the inside out, I mean, just just start talking to God and tell him as you come to the altar, God, here I am. God doesn't ask for much. He doesn't need your money. He is the owner of all. There's nothing, there's no talent that you have that impresses God. He gave you that talent. But something impresses God, and it's when from the willingness of your life because he created you with the power of decision. You willingly tell God, look, this is my decision, God. I'm moving myself to the side. Come fill me.